0: God's Word together tonight and turn again to the New Testament book of Romans, if you would, Romans chapter 1. And the Lord has led us as a church to this letter, this epistle, that's what the word epistle means, a letter, and it is a letter, as you know, written by the Apostle Paul to the church, the early church at Rome. This is our gospel meeting, and this book of Romans is a gospel book. In fact, the entirety of the 16 chapters of Romans is all about the gospel. And I cannot think of a better time or place to preach it than right here. Romans chapter 1, we'll look together at the first 11 verses. If you have a Bible, then follow along with me, please, quietly, and I'll read aloud. But I want to draw your attention especially to one verse. But Let's begin together. Romans chapter 1, beginning... In verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. Would you bow your head with me, please? Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to hearts tonight. Would you do that, please? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank Thee for this book that is in front of us. What a gift, Lord. We believe in mercy. Thou hast given us this letter, this entire letter that we call the Bible. A letter from heaven to us. To know what it is that we ought to believe about Thee. To know what is true about us. Father, we give thanks that thy word is given unto us all that we need. And we pray that as we search the scriptures tonight, that thy spirit may help us to understand it. I pray for those, Lord, who are just seeking, just searching. Who do not yet know Christ as their savior. Still outside of the family of God. We pray, Lord, that tonight that would change that in mercy they'd be saved, born again, born from above tonight, that their life may never be the same. Speak to us, Lord, and meet us here, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice verse number one with me, please. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Look at the last phrase, separated unto the gospel of God. The message that we preach is the most glorious message that the world has ever known. It's called the gospel, which simply means glad tidings, good news. But it isn't just any gospel. All through the New Testament, it's called a number of different things, the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. It is called in one place, the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of his son, the gospel of Christ. It's called the gospel of peace. I like that title. It's called the gospel of your salvation. The everlasting gospel is what it's called in the book of Revelation. But tonight in this passage, It is given a title that helps us understand exactly what we're dealing with. It is referred to as the gospel of God. The gospel of the creator. The gospel of the infinite omnipotent being. Think about that for just a second. All of these other titles are true because they proceed from God himself. The message we bring tonight to you is a message from God. It's God's message to the world. It's the glad tidings, the good news of God. Sometimes we think it's the Christian's message. No, no, no. It's God's message. Oh, that's the uh, preacher's message. No, no, no. It's God's message. We have oftentimes different ideas about this theme of Christianity, but at the end of it all, at the foundation of it all, it lies this truth. It is God's good news. The creator of the universe has good news for you tonight. And Paul, who was called and separated unto this message, is the penman tonight but make no mistake about it. It's God's message. It's God's word. And this entire book, the one I hold in my hand, and I hope you have a copy of it. This entire book is the message of God, the gospel of almighty God. It isn't confined to one person or one event or one era. It When you read that phrase, the gospel of God, it encompasses the entire working and plan of the almighty creator. And it begs your attention. It demands you to sit up and listen because it isn't a man's message. It's God's. And that's what we're looking at tonight. Look at what it says in the text. Separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised before or before by his prophets in the holy scriptures. The message that we preach in 2023 is not a new message. It's an age old message. It's an ancient message that has been around since the very beginning of time. It was first proclaimed and foretold in the garden. Did you know that? The garden of Eden, God first gave good news. When man first sinned against Almighty God, then and there God began to tell man that there's hope. That there is hope for your sin, hope for your brokenness, hope for your messed up life. God began at the very first sin. That tells me an awful lot about God. Can I just say, from the beginning Satan has tried to lie, he has lied to man about who God is. From the very beginning, from the first sin of mankind, Satan has whispered into the ear of man falsehoods, false things about God, doubting, trying to cause him to doubt the goodness of God. And this message of good news and of hope was given the very first time man sinned. That tells me we have a good God a merciful God, a gracious God. The Bible says, Paul says, this message was promised. Every once in a while, people imagine, just like in the days that Paul was living 2,000 years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, people thought that this message was new. That uh, Jesus, this message of Jesus the Messiah was a new message. But this is no new message, it's God's. And because God is eternal, his message is eternal. Men throughout all of humanity were preaching and speaking this gospel of God. The Old Testament, some people imagine the Old Testament, God is mean and unkind and he's harsh. In the New Testament, God's really nice. You've misunderstood, my friend. From the very beginning of time, God has proclaimed good news to fallen man. It's the promise of the Old Testament, and the New Testament is the accomplishment of the old. Prophesied in the Old Testament of a new covenant, we find we find it in the New Testament. The Old Testament prophesied of a Messiah, we find him in the new. The Old Testament gave us types and pictures and figures of a coming Savior, and in the New Testament, we look him face on, square in the eye, foretold in the Holy Scriptures. But what is this gospel of God all about? I love this. Look at it with me. The gospel of God, which he had promised before by his holy prophets in the holy scriptures. By the way, just read from Genesis all the way to Malachi. That's the Old Testament. You'll read of our Savior all through it. The Bible says in verse number three, concerning his son. The gospel of God has one theme. The Son of God. The good news of Almighty God is all about one theme, one person, one thing, and that is all about His Son, God's Son. In fact, we, we find this title over and over in the New Testament, the Son of God. Now, would you look here for a moment? In 2023, some people imagine that Jesus, the Son of God, is some weak, pale, effeminate looking being hanging on the cross somewhere with blonde hair and blue eyes. That is not the Son of God. The gospel that we read about the gospel of God that Paul is proclaiming is a gospel about the Son of God. And there is nothing weak about the Son of God. The gospel of God Almighty is about His Son who is Almighty. Can I just say this evening, if you dare reject His Son, you must be prepared to meet the wrath of this God. This God who has brought good news to you tonight and good news to me, us tonight, that our sins can be dealt with, that our sins can be washed away, that you can be made right with this good God. This gospel is about his son. God has provided his son as a ransom. But if you reject his son, you see, we live in a day and age when people talk about Christianity and people talk about Jesus like you can take it or leave it. But look here for a second. If you leave Jesus, you will meet God one day. Now, look, I've got four sons And I love them. They're all beloved in my sight. And if you hurt one of my children, you'll have to face my wrath. Can you imagine having to face God after rejecting the sacrifice of his son? The only hope of your salvation, the only hope of the forgiveness of your sins... The Bible tells us this over and over. Matthew 22, the Lord Jesus speaking about himself, prophesying in many ways. Matthew 22, listen to this. He spake unto them a parable saying the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king. That's God. Which made a marriage for his son. That's Jesus. And the scripture, the parable says that that the king sent out an invitation. Listen to what it says. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden or invited to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, tell them which are bidden or invited. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. They killed them. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth, angry. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Now look here. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. God is the king. His son is Jesus. And he's made, look here, he's made, a, he's prepared a, a feast, a supper for you. And on that feast tonight is not steak and chicken and ham and gammon. On that table before us this evening is the forgiveness of sins. On the table of salvation tonight is peace with God. Because naturally you and I both know we're born into this world with something between us and God. We can't quite get to God. That enmity is because of our sin. And we've got to find peace with God. We've got to make peace with God. And that has been done through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's been presented on the table of the gospel. Peace with God. The forgiveness of sins. You'll find joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll find hope for this life and eternity. All that lies before us. Justification to be made right with God. Sanctification to be changed. Made different. All to spread before us on this table of God's feasts. The Bible said the invitation's gone out. Come. All things are now ready. You don't have to do anything, but come. You can't do anything. But the Bible says they all began to make excuses. No, no. The Bible says they made light of it. They brushed it off. Ah. Jesus. Christianity. But can I tell you, one day... You will meet that God that you have made light of all your life. You've brushed it away and pushed it away and tried to ignore it and acted like you're actually okay, but really you're not okay. And on that day, we'll meet him after having made light of his son, after having avoided and run from and and tried to dodge and duck at every chance we possibly could. In Matthew 21, the previous chapter, Jesus gives us an even more alarming parable. He says, "Here another parable. There was a householder which planted a vineyard, hedged it around about, digged a wine press in it, built a tower, and he let it out to husbandmen. You could say they're gardeners. And he went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent another servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said amongst themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance and they called him cast him out of the vineyard and slew him when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh what will he do unto those husbandmen this is in reference to the Jewish people reference to the religious crowd the Pharisees but no doubt about it I think we find ourselves somewhere in there God sending his son to this world and instead of reverencing Jesus Christ instead of acknowledging him as the son of God king of kings and lord of lords we decided we'd rather have him dead we'd rather he never lived we want nothing to do with him we don't want him in our mind we don't want him in our life we don't want him at all and we've done the same thing that those Jewish Pharisees did although we did not drive a nail in his hand we have moved him out of our own hearts And wished he were dead. Wished he never lived. We live in a day now when people try to act like and pretend that Jesus never lived at all. Because it's easier to deny his existence than to own up to the reality of his life, his death and resurrection. And Jesus says, what? What will he do unto those husbands? He tells us in Matthew 3, do you remember when Jesus was baptized by John? The Bible says there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. Now look, this gospel that we talk about, this gospel of God is about his son, the most beloved, the only begotten beloved son of God. And if you reject him tonight, you're talking about eternity. This is my beloved son, of whom I'm well pleased. God said that. Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 9, we find a very similar parable that we read about in Matthew. Except the words are a little bit different. When he sends his son, listen to what they says. He says, having therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying they will reverence my son. One son, well-beloved of Almighty God. Again, in Luke chapter 20, he's called my beloved son. Now look here. What does God expect us to do with his son? Jesus says here that the king said, Surely they'll reverence my son. Would you look this way for a moment? Have you reverenced the Lord Jesus? Jesus. Do you revere him? Do you acknowledge him for who he is? The verses that God used to save me, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Many of you know that by now. My father and mother were not Christian when I was growing up. My father was in and out of prison when I was a child and had a very, in many ways, a very troubled, troubled upbringing. My mother was a good woman, did her best to hold everything together and act like everything was okay but when i was 18 years old my father had gone away to prison for a little while and and he when he came out he came out wanting he had made a profession of faith whilst in prison a preacher had come in so we began to go to church and i can remember the first first memory of going to church as an adult 18 years old It's hardly an adult but you know what i mean my first memory of walking into a tiny little country church, and I sat down at the back row of that little tiny chapel, and I, and I wasn't too sure about it all. I had heard some things when I was a child. My grandparents were believers. 18 years old, I sat at the back of that chapel, and the man opened the word of God, and he said, turn to Philippians chapter 2, and he began to preach a message from Philippians 2, and he read these verses about Jesus. Never heard them before in my life. He began to talk about the person of Jesus. And Paul writes in Philippians 2, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But watch this. God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, made himself of no reputation. Now look here for a second. I was spending living my life to try to make a name for myself. My whole life was all about building up my reputation. And I'm reading about God, the son of God, who made himself of no reputation. That's the opposite of the way we live today. We spend all of our effort and energy trying to build up our name and our reputation and, and try to get a, a well a well respectable name. The Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion of man. Watch this. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He began to talk about how Jesus Christ came from heaven. He became a man. Some people think that Jesus began when he was born. Jesus is eternal. The Bible says he created the world. Jesus. By him were all things created and by him all things consist. That's Jesus. Colossians chapter 1. Jesus just stepped into our world. Stepped into time in human form, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. And he was born for one reason. He came into this world for one reason, to save sinners. That's it. He didn't come here to be put the crown put on his head and for, for people to put a robe on their shoulders. He didn't come here to be hailed as some great leader. He is a great leader. He is the son of God. People didn't even know it. He came to die for your sins. Because he understood being God in flesh. He understood that someone was going to have to pay for your sins. It's either going to be you or him. He understood that one day we will all stand before God Almighty, the judge of all the earth, who knows all things, sees all things, and believe me, on that day of judgment, if you're not right with him, there's no escape. And so Christ was sent into the world. Jesus Christ became a man, lived a perfect life so that he could take your place on the cross of judgment. So that almighty God could pour out his wrath, his judgment on Jesus, so that you could be forgiven. That's why he came. The Bible says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when we read Paul speaking about the gospel of God, which is concerning the Son of God. We understand that this is not some weak, pale, anemic man hanging on a cross that can't help himself. This is the Son of God. Who spoke this world into existence and could have breathed on the Roman soldiers and shriveled them up like grapes. But instead, he took the wrath of God for you. This gospel, this good news is about Jesus, the son of God. And God wants you to recognize who Jesus is and what he's done. He's not just your pal and your buddy and your mate. He's your savior. And look what it says, concerning his son, four things, his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This gospel, this good news of God is about the son of God whose name is Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Jehovah is salvation. His very name preaches a message. Everywhere he went, hello, Jesus. Hello, Jehovah is salvation. Every time somebody called his name, they were being reminded Jehovah is salvation, God is salvation. The very name of Jesus reminds you that there's hope. The very name of Jesus tells you that there's hope for your sin sick soul. This gospel is about the son of God, our savior. It's not about anything else. It's not about you getting a mansion and living living the high life. People think it's about money, prosperity. Nonsense. It's about Jesus Christ, the savior. Who died to save you? Oh, it's not just about him being a savior, though. That's part of it. Look what it says Jesus Christ. Do you know what Christ means? Anointed, chosen. Nobody else could do it. Do you know that every once in a while I meet somebody who thinks that they're not that bad? Really, not that bad. Look, I've never murdered anybody. And, you know, I've done some petty little things, but I'm really not that bad. Oh, my friend, you are. We all are. I'm not better than you because I'm standing on this platform and I'm wearing a tie. I'm just as bad as you, if not worse. But we have a Savior. And there's one Savior he's chosen. He's the anointed one. There isn't any salvation anywhere else. Sometimes we meet people and say, what about this religion? What about that? There's one chosen one, one anointed one who can save you from your sins. And if you reject him because you think that there are many other options, you're going to stand before God and try to explain that one day. Say, God, sorry, you know, there are so many options, I didn't know what to choose. And God will say, I gave you my son. I chose him. He alone was anointed for this task to redeem you, to rescue you, to save you. Concerning his son, Jesus, Christ, our Lord. You won't really understand this last one unless you've been born again. This good news we talk about links us inseparably to this man called Jesus. He's our Lord. What the word Lord means? Master. He's my master. Some people say, ah, you see that? I want nothing to do with that. Master, I'm nobody's servant. My friend, you're deceived. You're a servant of sin. You're a servant of unrighteousness. You're a servant to Satan himself, and you don't even see it. Every human being on the planet is a servant to someone. I'd rather be a servant to him. The Son of God, the righteous one. Would you not rather serve a good God? A good and loving Savior who gave himself. I've never seen anywhere else ever written in the pages of history and and all the annals recorded of of so-called religions, never ever seen that a God would die for his people. Jesus, the Savior, is a master worth following. I wonder today, Is he your master? It's no good you saying that you love Jesus and you believe in Jesus, but yet you don't follow him. It's no good you calling yourself a Christian and and saying, I I love Jesus, but I do my own thing. I serve him my own way. Wrong. You're not serving him at all. You're serving yourself. It's no good you saying, well, you know, I, I, I do religion my own way. No, no, no. There's one way. Jesus is his name. He's our Lord. Our master. By the way, when you get beneath the yoke with him. It's not hard. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because you walk with him. That's Jesus. Now look. We're talking about one message that this world needs. The gospel of God. It's not mine. It's not this church's. It's his. It has become mine. Because it's his. He saved me. He's redeemed me. I've recognized that this is not something to trifle with. It's not a take it or leave it situation. I've realized this is the most serious matter in all the world. I've recognized this is about the Son of God, not some, not some Middle Eastern man, as we may refer to him as. This is about the Son of God. And I recognize that my entire eternity rests upon what I do with this man. Is he your Lord? This is the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The most amazing thing about it is the more you read this little book, the more you begin to see just how good God is. In fact, we read in the book of John that God is love. That he knew we would, be, we would get ourselves into such a mess We would spiral uncontrollably down and down and further and further. He knew we'd get ourselves in such a mess, such a dark mess, that we wouldn't know which way was up and which way was down. We wouldn't know who to listen to and who to follow. God knew that. And so he gave us his word. He sent his only begotten son. And by his grace, he sends preachers, reminders, people, not just people like me, but his own children to remind you and tell you, look, God is good. But he's also just. We shall meet him one day. Yes, he's a God of love, and he loves you with, a, with an amazing love. But if you spurn that love, if you spit on that love and turn your back on that love, that is a force and a wrath you will not ever be able to reckon with. And he pleads with you tonight. I don't know, I don't say he pleads with you tonight, he commands you tonight to repent of your sin and come to him. He says tonight. Jesus said, he didn't say, look, would you please come? He said, come, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Those two words, labor, heavy laden. Those who are trying to get to God, trying to live a good life. and They just can't do it. Jesus says, come to me heavy laden you're burdened by your sin you feel the weight of conviction upon your shoulders you know you're not what you should be you've been trying to hide it you've been trying to act like you're somebody good but you know you're not jesus said come to me and i will give you rest for your soul the gospel of god concerning his son sent into the world he who was rich became poor for our sakes That we might be made. We might step into the riches of God. He that knew no sin. Became sin for us. That we might be called the sons of God. What an amazing gospel of God. It's good news. But it's bad news if you reject it. Right now it's good news. Because the offer is still out. The invitation still goes out. It's still good news. But on that last day, on that day, that great and terrible day of the Lord, if you are found on that day, having yet to receive Christ, having yet to repent of your sins and believe on him, it'll no longer be good news. The gospel will be the very message that condemns you. The gospel that is good news right now will be the very message that condemns your soul for all eternity. Because you refused and you rejected his son. But tonight, look here, it's still good news. It's still the gospel of God. Tonight, Jesus is still sat on the mercy seat. Soon he'll get up off the mercy seat and sit on the judgment seat. Whilst he is on the mercy seat, make your petition to him. Whilst he is still sat on the throne of grace and mercy, run to him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if tonight you feel as if God is speaking directly to you. A young man came to me after the meeting this morning. He said, I, I felt like you were talking to me. I felt like God himself was talking to me. I need to be saved. If that's you tonight, don't leave this place without dealing with it. If you feel as if all of heaven is looking at you. If you feel as if God himself has put his finger on your heart and said... Thou art the man. Then would you right where you are, humbly, humbly bow your heart to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. On that great and terrible day of the Lord, every knee of humanity Every human being that's ever lived upon this earth, every knee will bow on that day and every tongue like one mighty choir will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you wait until that day to bow the knee, it'll be eternally too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't wait for another time. Paul was pleading with a king. This same Paul who wrote Romans was pleading with King Agrippa. That he should turn from his sins and believe on the Lord Jesus. He preached of sin, of righteousness, judgment to come. He trembled. But he said, I'll wait for a more convenient time. History never records that he ever repented of his sins. A more convenient time will never come. There is no more convenient time than right now. If he's speaking to your soul. Would you come to him? I want you to bow your head with me, please. We'll pray. If you believe God's speaking to you, then you pray right where you are. Silently pray. Ask God. God knows your heart. Some people like to use that as an excuse to live any way they want to live. No, God knows your heart. And if he knows that you tremble beneath the gospel of God, you recognize your sin and the severity of all of this, he sees that. He wants you to see then the love of God. Through his son, Jesus Christ. The Savior. The Messiah. The Chosen One. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we give thanks that we've been brought together tonight. Oh, how much you must love the souls of these people. That they would be allowed to come in tonight beneath the preaching of the gospel of God. And tonight we ask of thee. To so work in their hearts. To the point where they couldn't escape the reality of their condition. That they'd be made to see that. This message. Is one about thy son. Our savior. The only savior of the world. But this is about the chosen one. Jesus Christ. Who died in our place. And Father please. Take. What feeble words have been offered tonight and apply them clearly and powerfully and unforgettably to their hearts. So that even if they leave this place tonight still rejecting Christ. That these words may forever remain in their ears. They would leave this place this evening and think about these words all night until they do bow the knee repenting, turning from their sins and calling out for mercy and looking to Jesus who died for those sins. Save someone, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.